ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and I'm very excited about my guest today, who is coming all the way from Brisbane, Australia. Her name is Chris Wildeboer. I didn't even check. Chris, did I get it right? You absolutely got it right. Thank you. And welcome to the show. I'm going to just tell my audience a little bit about you and we'll start our conversation. So Chris is the CEO of Balance Central, a company she formed back in 2009. She has been a finalist for business and charity awards, co-authored a best-selling book, and her passion is to create engagement, connection, and communication. We're coming back to that. In the first few years, Balance Central offered one-on-one sessions and grew rapidly through word-of-mouth referrals. In the past 10 years, Chris has worked with clients in the UK, the US, the Middle East, and Australia through her programs and workshops. She loves to work with leaders who have identified the outcomes they want their team to achieve and yet know that the bar is not yet being reached. She creates the space for the team to be more focused and committed, which ultimately leads to exceeding expectations. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. You are most welcome. And it says at the very end of your um, bio, Catalyst for Change. (laughs) Is that how you see yourself, Chris? And tell me about that. That phrase actually came from a client So it's one of those examples of, you know, I'm always listening to what my clients tell me because they see more in me than I can see in myself. And that was a client in the Middle East who introduced me as her catalyst for change. Oh, how wonderful. Did it work? So I went, uh, so I went, I'm, I'm adopting that. And (laughs) it did. It was because of the way she saw what I did. I came in and allowed every single member of her team, which were 40 plus. Wow. What kind of industry? What kind of business just to set the scene? Sure. So um, this is a member of the royal family in the Q8 uh, is actually the client. And she has a number of businesses. So they range from not-for-profit to uh, jewellery businesses to skincare to graphic design. It's a a wide range of different businesses that then feed into uh, one or two of her foundations that she has set up. Mm -hmm. And so it was, for me, it was a huge... um, um, ask and yet I was willing to step up to the challenge to Mm -hmm. take all of those different businesses and and inspire change in them so that there was like an overall uh value system or or what um they all sort of the same way about what they were doing that's correct because they all work in the same building and yet they're all in their own agendas and Ah. so we need 
them to come together in a way that goal was the same to that's correct yeah. yeah yeah so it was it was a big ask because not only that particular environment was not only different businesses having to come together it's almost like having 10 different businesses that have been created for their own purpose having to come together and work super effectively and I came from Australia I flew over there to do that and then you know there's all the multicultural differences that occur with that as well so it was a a massive event and for her to come out like when I got to the end and we did a little bit of a debrief and we we're talking what we were going to do moving forward. She said, Chris, you, you're the catalyst for change. Mm-hmm. And I went, wow, if that's the outcome that I've been able to create in one week, mm-hmm. I think that's worthy of hearing. Mm-hmm. So I the phrase. Absolutely. Now I have to um, ask this question and it might be my naivety, I guess, but um, in Kuwait, in the Middle East, I didn't think women were business women to that extent. And, and she's a member of the royal family as well. So can you tell me about that? Absolutely. There are women in business throughout the Middle East. It is, um, there are particular pockets of the Middle East that uh, maybe don't have it as, as loud. But, um, yeah, there is a lot of misconception about uh, how women... I guess, contribute, yeah, Yeah. how they contribute to the societies over there and and different countries. So there are so many different countries that make up the Middle East. So it can depend on which region we're referring to. But if you're talking about Dubai, Kuwait, Bahrain, um, there's there's so many more I could mention. They are absolutely just as contributing as anywhere else I've been in the world. Okay. And treated with the same respect? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, and I say that as yes, being both positive and negative, I think that there is a global issue with women and respect. So I think I saw a similar type of feel, but that culture also has a different level of um, interaction that, you know, each each area that I've ever travelled to has a different way of, of how society moves and what the culture is of a society. So that does play into it. Mm-hmm. But I certainly didn't experience any um, disrespect or non-acceptance. And I turned up with my blue in blue my hair. hair. You have blue hair. And, no. very, and it was cool. not, it, it was not, you know, looked down upon at all. Okay, that's, uh, so I do, I I recall back, um, I did some teaching in an entrepreneur program at a college here, and, uh, and I had to do, I forget what it was, we did some networking um, exercises, I think it was, and I was kind of a guest in this person's class as well, and he had a lot of um, people of different cultures in this class, and we uh, did some group, small group networking, uh, uh, role-playing type of things. And I remember very clearly a, a few women in the class, and this is kind of going off to the side here, but it's kind of interesting because they were most uncomfortable. They were Middle Eastern. They were some, a couple were 
um, I think Persian, and they were very uncomfortable being in a group with men to start with. And then to be able to have to talk in conversation with them, it just wasn't done where they came from. Look, there was a bit of that that I experienced. And yet um, one of the magic things that I seem to create, and I say seem because I just come as me and then I see what what gets created, um, is that this level playing field, there's just everybody gets a voice. And I sometimes see that uh, it can be the environment or the room that you're in to whether you feel comfortable or not. Um, it can be the person that you're sitting across from to whether you feel comfortable. I've certainly worked, walked into many a networking room and not felt like I had a voice. Well, fair enough, but, but this does run deeper, you know, when, when they've come from that culture and they're so not used to it. So yes, they yes. have the permission to do it in Canada or in Australia or wherever. It's just that there's a whole thing that has to change a mindset right there is there is and um and i guess that's um part of the different types of culture one of the things i noticed actually in the middle east as part of the culture was um admittedly the group i was working with actually most of them were not from kuwait they were from many different areas around the middle east and in europe so they were kind of a mishmash of many different cultures which created a whole nother <laughs> multi-level of culturism anyway but it, you know if we're talking about the native um you, you know people that are from kuwait in that environment sure they may have been a little bit quieter but what occurs is that for me, I look beyond that type of default and look at what would allow that person to have a voice and what environment can we create to let them have that and give them that experience. So, yes, um, that's, that, that is, was a greater challenge and yet, uh, yeah, and there's different environments. So one of the things that I noticed in the culture is that everybody has their job. And that's the job that they do. And they tend to not stretch too far beyond that. Mm -hmm. So that can be sometimes what you might see in a, in a role play networking environment. Well, this is my thing and this is what I do. And for me to stretch beyond that is, is out of the comfort. That's where the mindset, mm. um, not block, but the change is, is, is more in the, um, cause there was, there were people that just drove, were just drivers. That's what they did. And I don't mean just drivers, but no, that I was agree. their job. Yeah. They drove the car to get us from A to B and back from B back to A. And so they weren't required to do anything else and there was no expectation that they would do anything else. And so when you then put that person in a, in a position where you then expect them to do a bit more, that's where the discomfort is. Mm. Okay, so that well, that just sends me in so many places um, because the different. I mean, you've had experience working with people in many different uh, countries, and I think it's fascinating. I have to then look at okay. To my mind, the extreme opposite would be the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a completely yes. different. Um, way of, of 
handling things. And, and I know Canada and Australia, I think, come in the middle. We're more conservative than the United States. You know, we're, we're um, not as uh, uh, tight and uptight as, say, what my perception was of the Middle East in that regard. And so we all have our own experiences. But um, when you're working with a company, let's say in the United States, and um, and you have to bring everybody together to contribute and feel that they are contributing. How did how would that experience differ from what happens in the uh, in Kuwait, for example? Ah, uh, um, one really easy example in America. It's very loud, and everybody <laughs> has to be louder than everybody else. Yes. Uh, so listening skills need to be, um, let's call enhanced. Physical <laughs> <laughs> kind, yes. Where um, in Kuwait, it would be more of getting them to realise that what they what their home life might be like, it might be worth sharing that because that would allow people to get to know them more. Mm, yeah, the complete opposite, right? The complete opposite. Absolutely. So interesting. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so your passion, I read, was to create engagement, connection, and communication. And that's what I'm all about. It's building relationships. It's feeling comfortable with people. It's making other people feel comfortable around you. And... Um, and to me, that it's funny because I got a call today, uh, or I, I should say I had a call today with a young man who had reached out to me by email, a very, very short email. I didn't have a clue who this guy was. And he said, I'd like to um, work with you um, and could, uh, something about my services. Well, I emailed him back because I'm a curious person and asked him and I ended up talking to him today at lunchtime and he was just delightful. He's a chiropractor. He's introverted. He realizes he has to work on himself and his communication skills. And it was like music to my ears that a young man today is taking the time to say, Hey, I need to work on pieces of my skills to, to help me with my business. Cause I'm about to start my own practice. It was beautiful and very, um, very unusual, I think, here. So um, tell me what your thoughts are with regards to, like, how do you see or what do you see missing when you go to a company or work with an individual? Because I think you do both, right? I do do both, yes. Yeah, so what do you come across that seems to be a common thread with these kinds of things, perhaps? Or is there? Um... A common thread in in what specifically? It, well, in like people need to um, be able to create engagement and and connection through communication. But you can tell when you talk to somebody if that's missing. And you know, absolutely, yeah. Um, it always comes down to one thing, and that's the engagement within themselves. Okay. So, so the example you've just given is is really lovely because you will do amazing things with this guy simply because he's initially engaged with himself. Yes, and he wants Before. to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I do is actually work very 
very specialized in getting people to engage with themselves. I do that in a group environment or I do it individually with them. But even if I'm standing in a group with them, they're still doing it individually. They have to engage with themselves first. If we, it's the classic, if we want to change something about our environment, we have to start with us. Mm -hmm. And people forget that they have to engage with themselves. They want to engage with, oh, I need this coach to get me to do this better, I think. I think that's what I need. Oh, I, I think I need, someone said I need a business coach. Oh, someone said I need a speaking coach. And that's all great if someone else has highlighted it, but until that person's engaged with... Okay, so let's that. delve into that a little bit more because uh, I did, I experienced that with somebody a week ago too. And it's like uh, this, this woman, lovely woman, has been in business for a while and she kept saying, you know, this per- I've spent money on this and this person told me to do that. And this person told me to do this. I spent more money and I'm not feeling like any better about any of it. And so, you know, then she was ready, believe it or not, to spend money with me and <laughs> as well. And I'm like, okay, I could say, sure. Yeah, you can take my top package. Absolutely. <laughs> let's do it. But I couldn't in my conscience do that. So I said, let's do this. And if you think that I'm helping you, then we'll move forward because I wanted her to feel um, safe, I think, and not so trusting in, in, but I think what you're saying is really the truth of it is what does she really want? That's right. And, and look, that happens a lot. I find I work with people who are, um, I call them discovery type people they love to discover new things so the next shiny object is the next best thing and and there's always another shiny object around the corner and then they land with me and again I'm one of their new shiny objects so that's all fabulous except I do something similar to you I go that's great and yet let's just see if that's actually a fit and I have to get them to step in step into their power, step into their intuition, step into their knowing to know whether it's right for them. And how do you do that though? I know that's probably your secret sauce, but I mean, how, how do you know, or, or do you, do you know what this person needs or is that going to uncover itself as you bring it out? There is a balance for me. I can often see it in them, but it's no good me telling them. Right. They have to see it for themselves for it to go anywhere. It's one of my favourite things that I achieve with people is when they work with me, they can't unlearn what they've <laughs> like discovered. That. And it's not because I'm really good at telling them. Yeah. I'm actually really good at letting them find it. And having and, that aha moment. Absolutely. And and that's the bit you can't unlearn. So, mm-hmm. um. I, I have been known many a time to get the phone call, go, oh, Chris, I've been referred to you and I really want to sign up for this program that goes for a year. And I go, that's great. No, we're <laughs> not starting there. <laughs> um, and it's like I go, and now I want to, I, I love that your referral has, give, has given that trust in me and that's amazing. And, yeah, I'm going to completely disregard it because that got you through the front door. 
now you get to decide whether you stay here or not. Love it. Because people have to know that it's right for them and not just because everybody else has said. Because they could be people-pleasing. They can just be running off to the next shiny object. They And I, I, I just don't think it's... But look, it's just not in my integrity. I just well, can't exactly. Do it. And, and that's the key, right? Is how can they trust you if you're not in integrity in the first place, right? And yeah. Yeah. So ironically, you know, many business models will go on the, oh, yes, well, you've got your client, just get them over the line and get them the next thing and the next thing. And I've always gone, well, I know you've just finished this program and I know you rave about me. Well, I don't say that out loud, but I kind of know yeah. it. I, I can't not know it. Yes. And I go, and what is it you'd like to do next? Mm-hmm. And I ask them every single time and they often, not physically slap me, but pretty much, um, and go, Chris, seriously, you have to ask? And I go, yes, I do. Because there is no assumption from me that, they, that I am still their thing. Mm-hmm. They may mm-hmm. need something different mm-hmm. and I'm happy to help them with what that different thing might be and mm-hmm. it may not be me. Mm-hmm. Um, empowerment is an overused word, mm-hmm. but I find that they step into a power of decision. And that's what I like to encourage. Okay, so you work with teams in corporations and companies and you work with individuals coaches consultants that kind of um client yes no yeah actually most of my individual work is with those ceos oh Oh, i love that so it's from the top down absolutely i I liken it to the family you know you have a problem child (laughs) you don't need to deal with the problem child you need to deal with the parents brilliant I have to start at the top yeah. and and then what occurs is that then that CEO goes, actually, I, I love this. We want to spread it somehow to the team and get them all on board. And now we're going to hand pick people mm-hmm. that now we're going to work more closely individually with. And then more people come in and out of the teams because I do that for a year. And naturally, there's a natural progression of people leaving and people coming in, and then we redo it. Wow! And we go back. We go back to the beginnings. We go back to the basics, and we engage again. Oh, that's really fascinating. And what's most fascinating is the CEO going through the transition, and then absolutely, you watch the CEO change in front of you, like when he he or she has completed some work with you now they look different in how they're engaging with their their teams yes I don't end up seeing that because I don't know what they looked like engaging Ah. with their team before I work Mm -hmm. with them but you must have an idea I have it I have an inkling but I only have what they Um. have been willing to identify about themselves the key Mm -hmm. comes six months later when I get to work with another member of their team and they go wow the change has been phenomenal you wouldn't believe what it was like 12 months ago okay yeah and that's where we get to see the difference and then we get to then the CEO gets to go ah yeah there's the reflection so it's it's often that thing where we don't 
see this stuff for ourselves very easily, but if we're in a position to listen to what others can see, we can receive it and go, ah, there it is. Hmm. So how did you get into this? Because when I look at your LinkedIn profile, I see a complete switch of what you were doing to then being your bot, your own boss with, with Balance Central. Absolutely. I was worked in corporate and quality management. Yeah. Who'd have thought how I'd transition into Balance Central from that? That was just like poles apart. Exactly. And yet it's not. So I'm going to give you the, the bridge that actually sure. got me from corporate quality management yeah. where I would have to take a process and work with many different personalities to try and get them to adopt quality. Now, we all know that adopting processes and procedures in any business is a nightmare. When you're doing it on a corporate scale, it's just... just Like, who are you? (laughs) Why do I have to listen to you? What's this, another audit? (laughs) I have no time for that stuff. So I would have to develop ways to make a system work for an individual. And sure, I had this standard over here that I would have to make sure we were all conforming to, and yet I had to find different ways to get that conforming going from different people and different departments. So I was already in practice in, in a lot of ways, because I was getting people to find their best way to work within a system. Mm-hmm. And so when I take individuals now and get them to work within their system, that's their team. That's the engagement of the team. It's kind of the same. It's a little bit more specific, but quality management actually gave me those initial tools to do that. Okay. So you, you, uh, bill yourself as a personal growth specialist, which Correct. which can feel a bit woo-woo to some people. No, I'm just being honest in, in my absolutely. But it really, but it really it's it's quite um, important, so important that you that you are you, you know operating honestly in a situation, you know, and and at your best levels. And that's that personal growth. And that's why I, mm-hmm. I, it took me 10 years to find that title. I used to deliberately not have any kind of title sure, because it was so broad and I was, would struggle to find what that description was. But personal growth allows people to completely know that it is about the personal. So there's no deception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm going to grow them. Oh, yeah, they're going to be growing. They're going to come out the other side going, oh, yeah, I'm a different person to what I was when I started this six months ago, 12 months ago. And that's where I specialise. So that's where those three words come from. Mm-hmm. I don't pretend to do group dynamic. I don't, I, I, you know, just for a few, I don't go in and look at a group and go, ah, right, well, we need to have these management tools in here so that you can do this HR better and do this better. I have none of that. I just come back to the individual. Interesting. That is different. Now, now I'm getting into it a little bit more with you. It is 
very specific because that's very different to somebody coming in and dealing with the team in terms of the team dynamics and looking at it as a team. That's correct because they want to provide the best productivity tool or the um, way for that team to huddle every week or, um, and those tools are necessary Mm-hmm. But those tools don't end up being very effective if every individual doesn't know how to walk in the door and show up. Mm-hmm. So being now with this great title, personal growth specialist, um, I think of personal development training. And I think that like I see myself as a lifelong learner. I am a bit of a squirrel. I do like to go down new rabbit holes and check things out. Um, but I've done a fair bit of personal development work. Do you, have you, have you done personal development work? Are you a different person because of personal growth? Absolutely. I started this back in uh, mid nineties. So I was 25. I had my first emotional breakdown at age 25. I decided to do it early. (laughs) Um, um I also decided to do that again at age 30 so oh, I just congratulations to see yeah. whether I'd really got it right the first time oh, okay. um so between 25 and 30 I did start looking for things although I want to qualify this because when I was in that headspace I actually was not going out and searching for personal development because I didn't need it, whatever. I was surviving. It was all good. I could put one foot in front of the other, but that was pretty much all I was doing. And and people around me would kind of shove me, almost literally, towards things. And I'd go, oh, whatever, then I'll go and do this. Oh, is that supposed to be beneficial? Oh, I don't know. I'll go back (laughs) to my life now. So I had that attitude for a good five years. Uh Uh, and then I, it, it, it coincided and no surprise here when I gave birth to my daughter mm-hmm. at, in 1999, that's when things really started to shift for me. I had a, uh, I had that moment of, oh, now this is what love feels like. Yes. And so once I engaged with that, then I was really looking for, that difference in me. I've had people who knew me back in my 20s who just say, Chris, you're just a completely different person. You don't even look the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's and a, that was your journey. And, and so I get that. Yeah, that's interesting. But it's also very, um, very true for me. It was too that, you know, having children just really changed, changes your outlook on everything. It did for me. I was a school and, teacher and I used yeah. to teach. Uh, uh, second graders and third graders. And I was in my early twenties. I started teaching when I was 21 and I graduated from university and I went out to teach and I had 36 kids in my class and the parents would come for parent teacher interviews. And I'd be thinking, what could I tell them about their kids? I'm not a parent. I'm barely (laughs) an adult, right? Seriously. It was really scary and it was when I had my first daughter that I went, oh, my God, I get it now. And I became a different teacher. That's right. And so I became a different person. And, and I say that because I existed from a very dysfunctional background. My childhood was not productive at all. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, kicked out of the family home at 17, go and exist on your own, Chris, off you go. Um, it was 19, about 19, uh, would have been 1989 that that occurred. Mm -hmm. And I was handed $40 at the time, mm -hmm. which was maybe a reasonable amount of money. It might've got me a week of food. Yeah. That was about it. Yeah. And that's what I went out into the world with. with it wasn't your whole... walkabout. It was like you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It was, wow. I'm out of there. Yeah. So I had gone into survival mode for many years. Sure. And, and so that change as, as what I had to, I mean, I worked from the age of 18 and that sort of thing. It wasn't, I remember having a conversation with someone um, who it was some multi-level marketing, something or other that we all get exposed to in our early 20s and onwards. But, you know, you get that first exposure and they were like, and what's your goals? And I'm like, to be emotionally stable, that, that would be great. <laughs> I love it. I had nothing else to, to offer sure. as my goal. So that's the change was this emotional stability. But there's so much in that. I mean, that's such a big umbrella. It, I needed to get out of survival mode. I needed to recognise what love was so that I knew where to look for it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's part of the growth. This almost comes back to those other questions you asked me about how, you know, that different cultural thing. People just don't know where to look for things. They don't know that it can be different. Right. If right. they've always had a job that that's their job, they don't actually know that there's Question. anything outside yeah. that wall. And that's very much what my life has had been. I, I existed with a little um, wall around me that was very tight little wall and it was very protective. And so I took on the world in a very protective way and didn't know that there was another way to to do it and now when I look back and I know that that was how I was and now I get to speak to people across the world it's like just energetically that's such a difference it's just well like and and what I'm loving is the fact that I did uncover a little bit of your of your story and I appreciate you sharing that with me because I think that gives you um so much uh credibility to be able to um help others personally grow i relate to i find that i have clients that i don't necessarily relate to um, their specific circumstance and I, I, i'm happy to refer to the princess in that one as my big example but there's many that i could use <laughs> I, I really don't know what it is to be born into a royal sure. family and to live with that sort of title. However, the connection that I have with her is because we understand trials and tribulations, what it feels like to be in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, that, that those sort of fundamental uh, experiences, we may have different circumstances that give us those experiences but until we've experienced them, we can't actually share it with others. Um, my job was to move outside of my little protectiveness of all of those experiences and know how to, I see it as, as a bit of a conduit, allow that to go out so people know that I get that 
regardless of what I might look like right now today, mm-hmm. um, that that there's that element in me that's still part of my experience and, exactly. and what I up with. Exactly. That's fantastic. And I realized that I've just, we've talked for like a long time and I didn't notice the time because I was enjoying listening to you so much. So I'm going to try and wrap up a little bit here. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, the first one, which kind of fits to some of the things we've been talking about, because I think you have to be this kind of person um, to do the work that you do. Um, one of my favorite words is curiosity. And I love um, the whole thing of being curious and asking questions, which is why I started a podcast in the first place. And so I'm, I'm curious to know your take on that word. And when I say curiosity, um, is there one thing that you're particularly curious about these days? Yeah, so my take on that word is I, I tend to like to discover the detail. Mm-hmm. So when I get curious about something, I go full on. I, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm just very tunneled vision when it comes to that. So the, what I love doing is studying esoteric philosophy. Now, this almost yeah. sounds like an oxymoron because <laughs> the more detailed you get in esoteric philosophy, oh, the broader it goes. Okay. <laughs> I love that word oxymoron too, actually. It's one of my favorites. But um, yes, I can see that now. I, I kind of got a little invisible guard up when you said that. Because Ooh. now, yes, I just felt it. It's like, oh my God, esoteric, whatever. Um, yes. Can, oh, I'll tell you the definition of esoteric. Yes, That's another it. great it word. Simply, it is. It simply means an idea that not many know about. Okay, I love that's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. It, okay. That's simply the definition. I mean, not maybe if we Googled it into a dictionary, <laughs> it'd give it a little bit more articulation, but essentially that's what it yeah. means. So really what I love to do is is philosophize about things and come up with, you know, understand abstract ideas and concepts in a way that I can then help others to Are understand. you a cult person? Do you have a favorite quote? Oh, I, I, I can do. Um, I, I, I thought about this. Yeah. And I, I'm going to quote one from Anne Frank because I really do like this one. How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. Mm. When I. When I say that, though, I all I immediately go from within themselves. Mm, I, I felt that. I felt that. Yeah, that's that's amazing, and I love the Anne Frank story too, as well. So very interesting. Well, this has been delightful, and um, and I've so appreciated you sharing your story with me. And I would like to know how can people find you, and I will put it in the show notes as well. The easiest way is through my website, balancecentral.com.au. Yes. Because uh, I am based here in Australia, so that AU is important. Um, it, there's a lot of information in there. Mm-hmm. However, it is easy to navigate. And there's, there's a really cool little button that says, connect with Chris. 
So you can come, you can connect with me and have a chat at any time. I'm always up for that. That's just an obligation free. Have a chat. Fantastic. As we did when we met through virtual global networking, that has been the the way of the world. And I just feel so blessed to be able to spread my wings and to Australia and to other places in the world and, and meet interesting and exciting people like you. So thank you again for being on my show. It is much appreciated. Look, thank you for the invitation. Yes, we had that immediate rapport, which was fantastic. And I love that we get to have these conversations and you have an ability to share them to others that we otherwise would not Thank you so much. Absolutely. And so thank you to my audience as well for listening again. And if um, you like what you heard, please leave a review and uh, let us know. And again, remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.